Well, that was awesome worship, wasn't it? Yeah. Thank you, Lord, for that. I think the Lord, I shouldn't say this because God never really makes a mistake, does he? But I feel like sometimes, the Lord, you made a mistake because I really like the worship better than I do the the preaching. (laughs) I should have been a worship person. I am a worship person. How many people in here? Worship, worshipers. It's just that we can't sing very well or play any musical instruments. I've always told people that my best musical instruments used to be like a record player. <laughs> then it became like a boom box, and now it's my iPhone. <laughs> That's my musical ability. But I love the Lord, and I love to worship the Lord. And I love you too. I think y'all are great people. I'm serious. Y'all have done well, actually. Um, all the things that people have gone through in their life, um, it's just great to be with people who've journeyed through some perilous moments, and a lot of hurt, and a lot of disappointment, a lot of failure. But here you are worshiping the Lord this morning. That's pretty big, I think. Uh, in the Lord's heart. Uh, probably bigger than miracles, you know. That's probably bigger than miracles. You know, we're always looking for miracles, which I, I love miracles, but I think when people come through times of hardship and brokenness, and but they come through it worshiping, and they come through it, they may have their moments of not worshiping, for sure, but overall, when you really come through that's, I think that's important. So the Lord commends you this morning. I commend you for that. And if you don't feel like you are, don't believe the lies. You really are. Uh, you might have a bad moment. But So it seems like the Lord had a theme this morning in worship. Uh, and actually they were kind of stealing my message. But I'll go ahead and give it to you since they sang it and declared it and prayed it. Um, it's um, you know sometimes in life as I just said we go through things that are challenging some things that are tragic and we're looking for answers many times to understand why these things are happening and, and why the thing that we need from God is not happening Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm sure you do. I don't need to. And so we have come up with some theologies about these things. And I think they're really great theologies. One of, one of the theology is you'll be told uh, by me, I've told myself this a billion times at least, is you just need to trust the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's really the truth on every day and every moment, no matter what's happening. But sometimes, I'm telling you, that just doesn't help me. <laughs> I know I need to trust the Lord. But I got, I'm hurting right now. And that's not really the answer that I necessarily need. <laughs> or maybe it is the answer I need, you know. It just don't feel like I need it. But I, I've always told people, you never know how much you trust the Lord until you have to trust the Lord. That's really the, you know, where the rubber meets. That's when you find out. And unfortunately, I think I've found out way too many times that my trust level wasn't what I 
perceived it to be. <laughs> but, you know, it's always a good day when you come to some reality in your life. Because God always is there for you, even when you feel like you've not trusted Him. Another uh, great revelation about difficulties is the thing about mystery. Uh, I say great revelation. You know, of coming to the place in your life where we understand that God, we will not fully understand God. I think uh, Paul addresses that in Romans 11 where he says the, his ways are past finding out. God is a mysterious God. God works in mysterious ways. And we're not always going to have the answers in this life to things that happen that seem absolutely contrary to everything the Bible teaches, everything that we believe about God. And so we had to learn how to live with mystery. And uh, I'm good with that. I mean, I've had to in my life, uh, as I'm sure you have, We've had to look back on our life, and, and there's things that we can't explain uh, that are perplexing. I look back on the past few years of things that happened with us as a church, and I'm, when, I think, when I go back and think about them, it's just confounding. Oh, sorry, don't want toilet paper here. <laughs> <laughs> or Kleenex, I think that's more of the technical name. <laughs> you know, toilet paper is what people in the country call it, you know. Because you didn't have boxes, you had a roll, and you just pulled it off, and you know, now they have boxes for that. Anyways, Lord help. <laughs> Anyways, back to this thing, you know, I've, in my, when I look back, I'm just amazed that we even got through some of the things we got through. I mean, I'm saying, Lord, I don't really get, that is just insane when I think about it. Some of the stuff that we've gone through as a church body and people in this room have gone through. It's like an insanity. Like, Lord, did that really happen? And why in the world did it happen? And what in the world, Lord? You know what I mean? That's sort of my feelings. And, but yet at the same time, there's a part of me that says, you know, I can live without having to understand it, Lord. Because I want a relationship with you. That's more important to me than having to understand something. So if you don't want to tell me that's okay with you, and I guess it'll have to be okay with me, you know, maybe I'll find out in heaven, um, that's a, a pretty good thing, the revelation of the mystery of God, um, but I don't, sometimes for me, I don't think that's the final answer that God has for us, um, here's what I've begun to see, and this is the best way I know how to say it, is in our life, our life is like a story that's being written. Okay, if you, if you can just think about it like that. A story that's being written. And whether you know it or not, you and God are really writing that story. Unless you have been really foolish and let somebody else write it for you. This morning, if somebody else is writing your story besides you and God, please grab the pencil out of their hand because it doesn't belong to them. It belongs to you, and it belongs to God. Nobody has a right to write your story. In fact, the story they're writing for you is not the story that God is going to be involved in with that. He doesn't want any part of that. He wants you and Him to write your story. Um, but I think there's times that come in our life where, I'm, and I'm no expert on English by any stretch of the imagination, as you all well know, Okay. <laughs> Grammar is a mystery. <laughs> I was looking up 
how to use commas. There's eight things that I read of how to use. And when I got through, I was so confused. Like, really? How in the world do you use a comma? There's eight different rules. Who could remember such things? I can't remember all that stuff. For some reason, I could really, really remember mathematical things, but, but grammar things I could never get. It was just like a foreign language to me. English is a foreign language to me. Okay? But I do know this about commas. Commas are not the end. Periods are the end. And I think sometimes, this is the best way I know, is sometimes we think in our story that there's a period. And really, and that's when we start asking why. Really, it's not a period, it's a comma. Okay? Because the comma says, this is not finished. And because it's not finished, we're struggling we're struggling because we can't understand why we think that's the end of the story. The period's been set, move on, and you're saying, I can't move on. I can't leave this place because I don't feel like this story is complete. Yet God, we feel like God is wanting to move on. Really what God wants to do is get you to see, get you unstuck behind that period and get you to see that this really not a period, it's a comma. And that He wants to finish this story. He wants to go on. And so... You know, that's what, I'm going to put it in the Bible now, make it more biblical, you know, is I talked to you some last week about John chapter 20 and John 21. You see, to me, if I put myself in Peter's shoes, John 20 would have been a period. The gospel was finished, if you think about it. It was the finished work. The finished work, it was over with. It was done. But for Peter, it wasn't done. Peter was struggling. Peter had issues. Even though, and so I think a lots of times when we think about God, we think about the finished work of the cross, which is absolutely amazing. And the, fin- the, cross, the work of the cross is finished. But I think m- what we try to do many times is we fail to realize that it's not necessarily finished. What, God's not finished in us. God's not finished with us, okay? It was like in, in Genesis, the Bible says God rested. And you know when the first thing he did after he rested was told Adam, like, get with it. <laughs> get to work. Tend the garden. You know, it's like almost when God finishes, he, we begin in some sense. And so, you know, that was where Peter was at. Even though Christ had, had, he had been born again at that point, right? He had received the Holy Spirit. That says in John 20, Peter saw Christ walk through a wall and, and breathe on him and commission him to go and demonstrate the Father to the world. That had happened. Right? He saw uh, Thomas struggling with his questions about this Christ person. And he saw Thomas stick his hand into his side, into his physical side. Peter sat there and watched that. Right? Yet, he, he had issues. See, he, there was unresolved things in his life that he had to, there had to be a resolution for him. There had to be a conclusion for him. And because at that moment, he didn't have the conclusion from God He made his own conclusion. He concluded that John 20 really was a period. And he said, okay, then it's done. 
Here's what I'm doing. I'm done. He concluded his life. I'm done being this follower. I'm going to go and do what I can do. That's really what he did when he said, I'm going back to fishing. And I think I told you last week, it was fishing as a way of life. That's what he was saying. He wasn't saying, I'm going to go hang out and, on the dock with my friends and drink beer and fish and you know, stay up all night and have a good time like boys like to do, right? Or go with Grandma, go to the beach, and Grandma likes to fish all night. That's what my kids used to do with Becky's mama, go fishing. But so he... You know, went out there and was doing that and sort of lured everybody else out there with him. And some, at least seven of them, I think it says. And fished all night. You know the story. I caught nothing. Of course, Jesus sat there all night watching them. I love that. I think I told you that. I love that. He's sitting there watching them all night long. Fishing all night. Y'all, you doing, what y'all doing out there? Didn't say a word to him. Finally, after all night, after they were wore out, discouraged, this is not working neither, Peter. Why? I can just imagine those guys just wearing him out at that moment. This is not working. Why did we go out here and go fishing with you? This is ridiculous. And, of course, the Lord, had, Lord spoke to him from the shore. You know, little children, have you caught any fish? No. Cast your net on the other side. They did. They caught so many fish, the nets was about to bust open. Actually, 153 fish. They pulled them into the... John said, Peter, it's the Lord. And now, I'm telling you, even though Peter was in a messed up state, and you know what? We ridicule Peter. We ridicule him for what he did. And it's, it's ridiculous that we ridicule him. Because even though he was messed up, there was this passion in him for the Lord. Because he jumps into the water and swims to the shore. Swims up there to see Jesus. Because even though Peter was a dramatic failure, and his life was failure, there was still this passion in him. There was this thing in him that wouldn't stop. Okay? I mean, that's really the truth. And so he gets up there. I mean, if it's, you know what? If it was up to the church, we would have burnt Peter down for what he did. We would have kicked him to the curb. He would have never had another chance again. Never have a chance. You're done, pal. You've denied the Lord. You cussed. You know? Get out of here. Go on. That's what we'd have done. That's what the church does to people. Well, Jesus didn't do it. No, sir. And so they get up there to the shore. He's cooking breakfast. You know, he says, bring some of your fish that you caught that I helped you catch. <laughs> let's, have a, let's have a fish breakfast. Fish tacos for breakfast. So that's what he did. And so they had this really nice breakfast. Okay. So there was like two things. One, life doesn't work. Two, Peter's life didn't work. Two is the Lord wants to reveal himself in different ways. I think I talked to you about that last week some. I hope the Lord shocks your, you and reveals himself to a diff, in a different way. So here's the next thing that happened. Um. It says in verse 9, as soon as they come to land, they saw this fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Now, that's really an, an important point. So I want to bring up this to you. Um, it's about remembering. And I don't know if you 
noticed that's sort of been a real theme this year for me is remembering. Oh, you know, you know, my little dear people is all right. I did a lot of remembering in those this year. And the reason I think I've told you is if you're going to come into something new with God, there's a thing about our memories. We have to be able to deal with our memories. I think I told you a while back that, you know, these behavioral psychologists have proven there's every, every person's made up of two people, basically. The person, the experiences you have and, and the experiences that you remember. It's, it's, your, it's your experienced self, what they call it, and your remembered self. And we're really, we are more, who we really are are more about our remembered self. That's, yeah, that's something a couple people are getting at. Uh, just sometimes in your family, get a video, get your iPhone out, or if you've got the other thing, get it out. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just funny with you. And video a, a couple of minutes of conversation and then in a couple of days, go back and, and watch it. And look at everything you missed sitting there. You will, I don't remember it like that, right? Because we don't, we have filters that we're perceiving things in. You know, I think I told you, sometimes a person can be talking about something that y'all experience together, and they will have a whole different version of it. Because they remember it different. Right? They remember it different. So your memories are vital in God's eyes. And what I want to tell you, this is what the Lord was doing with Peter, because Peter has some very difficult memories he was dealing with right there at that moment, some really harsh memories. Because if you'll remember, Peter had de- declared absolute allegiance to the Lord when the Lord said, I'm fixed, you know, when he was de- telling him, I'm, I'm going to die, they're going to kill me, they're going to murder me. And Peter was saying, I will absolutely never. He, and he said, every one of y'all are going to d- deny me. Every one of y'all are going to run away. And Peter said, I will absolutely never do that. In fact, Lord, I will absolutely die with you. I will die for you. I will die for you. That's what he told the Lord. And the Lord said, no, that's not what's going to happen. In fact, Peter, before the rooster crows three times tonight, you will have denied me three times. Well, guess what? That's what happened, obviously. I wanted to read this one verse in John 18, 18 and put this together for you. This is in the courtyard, okay, where Peter denied the Lord three times, okay? This is just one verse just to give you this. It said, The servants and the officers who had made a fire of coals stood there, for it was cold. So they had fire going. They were warming themselves, and they... And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. And it was in that context that Peter denied the Lord next to this fire. Okay, so Peter comes to the, to the beach, walks up, and guess what he, the first thing he hits is he sees, John, make sure we get this. What did it say in verse 9? As soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals. That, those coals had a very distinct and unique smell to him. So, the first thing he does, he walks up here, there's Jesus, and he smells. And what does, it, what does that smell do? It triggers a memory. It triggers that moment he was standing there. Are y'all getting this? You see, it was really important to the Lord that he begin to deal with what Peter went through. 
because he knew that Peter was not going anywhere in his life if he couldn't get something from God at that moment. In other words, Peter really did have a period going, and he would never get over that period. He'd never move on. There would never be the story if he stayed stuck back there where he denied the Lord, and that's really where he was stuck at. He was stuck there. Are y'all following this? And so you see how important it was for Jesus, you know, Jesus himself, to really help this man move on with his life. Okay? Move on with his life. And see, that's really what God's trying to do with a lot of people right now. And the way he wants to do it is he wants to go after your remembering. And he wants to heal your remembering. He wants to heal your memories. Because that's what he did for for Peter here. Are y'all good? This is great, man. This is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> I, can, I just imagine this scene. I've put myself in this scene over and over and imagine what I would have done. If I'd have walked up, I'd have smelt that, I would have looked at Jesus and thought, mm. I would have wanted to slink away. That's how I would have wanted. Because all of a sudden, all my failure was coming at me. Everything I had done bad, everything that didn't work in my life was rushing at me. In that moment, I can just imagine him sitting there eating breakfast, like feeling really insecure, feeling like, you know what, I don't really like this, you know, you know what, I don't really get this, Jesus, you know, I don't really get you. you, you were crazy, you were flat crazy when you were just normal before you died, and now you're, you've gone off the mark, I mean, you're walking through walls, people are sticking their hands in you, is that not crazy to you? I mean, let's get real here. If, some, if we knew somebody who was doing that, we would think, this is weird. Nobody should, be, nobody should be sticking their hand in anybody. And you're letting people stick their hands in these, these scars you have. I mean, that's just, that's, I know that might mess some people's religious thoughts up. Okay, but I don't really care about religious thoughts. I'm just saying, let's just get real with God and put ourselves in the story and see what they were experiencing. And get rid of all the, the fluff around these stories. Okay, well, Lord, help. And it says when they had eaten breakfast, you know, after they had a good meal, Jesus said to Simon Peter, some people think he took a walk. I don't know. He didn't say they did, but, you know, to help him, like, let's get you away from these guys. But, and he started asking the question, Simon Peter, now this is the Lord beginning to deal with Peter. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? I don't know what these are. It may have been the fish, you know. <laughs> I mean, but that just seems, I've heard people say, I'm thinking, seriously, you, you know, of course I love you more than I do fish, God. I mean, you know, but there may be something to that, you know, like your career uh, or your possessions, you know, or your boyfriend or girlfriend or your dreams for your future. Those would be questions the Lord may would ask somebody. Do, do you love me more than... Then your future did you think you have or, or, or this car you have? Because I told Becky yesterday, men are in love with two things. They're in love with their wives, hopefully, and their cars or trucks. Uh, that was really true. I don't know if it's true today but because Becky was I don't know why men like, we was looking at this truck that had all this big tire. I don't know why a man would want such a thing. Why would they want that? I said, because men are in love with their vehicles. Some men love their vehicles more than their wives. You know, anyways, back when I was a teenager, men really did love their vehicles. 
He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. So I don't know if, what y'all know about this. This is one of the failures in Bible translation. When the Lord said, Peter, do you love me? He was saying, Peter, do you love me like with agape? In other words, Peter, you said you'd die for me, that kind of love. And Peter said, well, yes, Lord, you know I'm your friend, but I ain't dying for my friend. That's how he answered him. You get that? They don't really translate it like that. It's two kinds of love. It's one, the God love, that you will do anything for God. You go live in a cave. You'll go to the worst place on earth. And then there's that, how you love your friend. You necessarily won't do anything. You'll do a lot for your friend, but there's a line that you'll draw. Like, I'm not dying for you. I mean, that ain't my job. That's somebody else's job. I love you. If you had to die, you know, I'll go to your funeral. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was Peter's response to the Lord. And look at Jesus' response to him. He said to him, feed my lambs. Okay? Then he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Same deal. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you with this friendship. Uh, He said to him, tend my sheep. Now, this is interesting. Okay? Because you'd have thought the Lord would say, well, if you don't really love me like that, how can you do what I've called you to do? Because I can't trust you if you're just a friend. I can only trust a friend so far, right? But I can trust somebody who will die for me all the way. That's what was going on there. Then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? That time, Jesus asked him, Simon, are you my friend? Do you love me like a friend? See, Jesus switched on him at that moment. He brought it down to his level. And it says Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time. In other words, at that moment, Peter... There was a brokenness that came into Peter because at that moment, Peter realized what was happening with him. He wasn't grieved because Jesus kept asking him the same question over and over, okay? He was grieved because it was a moment of truth. And that's really where God wants... That's how you get your memories fixed is you come to a moment of truth with God. About, about yourself and about God and about what's going on with you. Christians are terrible about this, about not being truthful with God. And see, that's really how God is able to heal people and free people is when we get really brutally honest with ourselves and with Him. Someone asked me recently, because I talked to them about getting their life, their, their memories healed so they can look back and see their past in a really great way. And they said, well, how do you do that? I said, well, you've got to have the truth with God about what was really going on. And you can't say stuff to the Lord that's not true. I can, one day I was going somewhere, I was supposed to minister and I really wasn't in a good mood to be doing any ministry. And I was saying, Lord, please, please, uh, please anoint me and help me do this ministry because these people really need it. And then as those words came out of my mouth, I said, well, that's just not really true, Lord. I don't really feel that way. Here's the truth, Lord. I just don't want to be made a fool of. So I just really need you to help me right now. That's the real truth, Lord. That's the real truth. See, lots of times we say stuff that's not true. We want to say something that sounds right, but it's not true. And and that helps, that goes nowhere between you and God. The Bible says God looks for truth in the inward parts. 
And he wants us to get real truthful with him even when the truth is ugly and when the truth is dirty. Now, I would say this. However you do that with God, make sure you're honoring to him. Don't dishonor God in telling God how you really feel about him. I think you can tell God that you're disappointed. Lord, I'm disappointed. I feel disappointed in you, Lord. That's what I really feel. I feel like you weren't there for me, Lord. And I don't get that. And you probably really were. But I'm not seeing that. And I need to see something, God, because I'm messed up. I'm really messed up about this tragic thing that happened. And I don't need some turkey telling me to trust you. I had a guy one time when I was in a terrible place in my life. So I had no money. I had nothing. I had no job. I had no prospect. And he said, Byron, you just need to trust the Lord. I said, well, that's easy for you to say. You have a job. You have money. But God is not helping me. How can I trust him? I thought, oh, God, what have I done? I've just blasted this guy who was trying to help me. And now I know God's going to be really angry with me. And I'll never get a job. Because I'm not trusting him. But it was the truth. That's how I really felt. And I think what we had to do, like Peter, is, Lord, you know this. I can never love you with divine, sacrificial love. That's what he was saying. I can never love you like that. The best I'm going to ever do, Lord, is be your friend. I can't die for you. I can never say I can never deny you. And see, that was the thing that really qualified Peter. It didn't disqualify him. You see, in the world, you can lie your way into good places. You really can. People do it all the time. They lie, they connive, they cheat. They cheat their way into positions and success. But in the kingdom, all that's going to just destroy you. In the kingdom, telling the truth gets you to where God wants you. It puts you in the position where God wants you to be in your life, is being truthful with God and not being plastic. And Are y'all following this? Y'all sort of looking at me with bad eyes. Okay? Because here's what the next thing that Jesus did, this is amazing to me, is he began to talk to Peter about his future. And see, you and I, we're, we're, we're looking to the future. Right? You can never see your future right if you're all messed up. I'm just going to tell you that right now. If you're messed up in your life with God today, if you think it's a period there, you can't see the future. You can't see it right. Whatever you see is going to be twisted and turned. It's not going to be the future that God says, this is my future. And listen to this future that God gave Peter. God said, okay, Peter, you want to know where the end is? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you about your end, where the period is. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you're old, you will, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Wow, that's your future, Peter. That's your future. You know what you boldly declared back before I was crucified? Well, guess what? That's really going to happen to you. But because the Lord had really got into his heart and they had this moment of truth, Peter was able to hear his future and know his future. In other words, God was saying, this is where your period really is. This is when this is going to happen. It says in verse 19, this he spoke, signifying by what... A death, he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Follow me. Isn't that powerful? Yeah. 
Well, I think that's just scandalous, really. Oh, that's what's going to happen to me, God? I'm going to die like that? Somebody's going to, you know, I mean, yet, well, one thing for sure is, here's something about the Lord. I'm just going to tell you, be straight with you. God is not going to water down anything to get you to follow Him. I mean, let's just face it. If we had to water the gospel down and give perks for people to follow God, forget it. Don't follow Him. Please don't. Because that's not what He did. He just gave the brutal truth. This is, Peter, if you're really going to follow me, this is where ultimately it's going to lead you. It's going to lead you to a violent death. That's where it's going to take you. So you decide if you want to follow me. This is, this is where it's going to take you. That's the end. Now, how you get to that end has not been determined yet because me and you are going to determine how we get there together. Me and you are going to write the rest of this story if you want to write this story, but I'm going to tell you, I've already got the end for you, and I'm going to tell you what the end is. You know, you can't entrust that kind of revelation to many people because they would go nuts. You know what I'm saying? The great thing about it He didn't say that's going to happen next week, next month, next year, next ten years. He said at the end of your life when you're old. Evidently, Peter was not an old man then. He was a younger man. So he had years ahead of him. That's why when Peter was languishing in jail 12 years from that moment in Acts 12, and they'd already cut Stephen's head off, and he was sitting there sleeping and the angel had to come and wake him up because why? Because he knew, I'm not an old man yet. It ain't time for me. So I'm giving, I'll come out of this prison. I'm not going to die here. Because he knew he was in. Isn't that powerful? Amen. You know, when you know some things from the Lord, you can, you can go through some stuff and it not tear you down and destroy you. Are you all all right? I think one thing that if you're really going to follow the Lord, I want to say it's, it's the same thing. Is following the Lord for us has got the same amount of risk and the same amount of uncertainty as it had for anybody. And I think that's what we have to accept with the calling to follow. There's risk associated with following Christ. Your life is not going to always be good. It's not going to always be. Abundant life does not mean a life without trouble and sorrow. It does not mean that. That is a lie from hell. It causes people to stumble when things start happening rough in their life. Abundant life means a significant life. That's what it really means. It means a life of significant, uh, inward life of fulfillment, of knowing that you're walking in what God's called you to do. That's really what the gospel teaches. It doesn't teach us a carefree, everything's going to be wonderful life. And see, that's what, what Jesus was saying, Peter, you've got to know this. You're taking a risk following me. And you and I, from this day forward, if we're going to really follow Christ, we need to know we're taking risk. We're taking a huge risk. We really are. Y'all look really excited about this version of the gospel. It's the biblical version of the gospel. Well, here's uh, Peter's beautiful uh, answer to that. I just love his answer. I would have said the same thing. I agree, Peter. I totally agree with your answer. Then Peter turned around and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, that was John, following, who also 
had leaned on the breast of Jesus at the supper, you know, knows how John sort of tells some stuff on himself, and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You see, here's the thing. Well, if this is going to be if it's going to be bad for me, it needs to be bad for everybody else. Isn't that the Christian way? Oh, if, if I'm going to go through some tragic moments, then everybody should go. Right, Lord? If I'm going to die like this, shouldn't John die like this also? Right? Isn't that the, the, the problem of Christianity? Is that everybody has to be the same? Everybody has to be uniform. Everybody's walk has to be exactly the same. We have to walk through the same things. Isn't that the problem of Christianity? Don't you love that version of Christianity? You can just, oh, well, this is what they did. This is how they did it. I can do it like that. And I can get the same good results that they got. Well, the Lord completely debunks. Are y'all following that? You see, here's, he's, he's saying, listen, I didn't call you to uniformity. I didn't call you. You can't, you can't figure your life out based on what really anybody in the Bible, what happened to them. You can't figure your life out based on your friend because God is not into cattle calls. As much as Christianity loves cattle, you know what a cattle call is? All the herd, bring the whole herd in. The whole herd comes in. The whole herd looks the same. The whole herd eats the same thing at the same time all the time. That's what Christianity has become. But that is not the Christianity of the Bible. God has called everybody in this room to follow Him in a unique, personal way. Your, your walk with God is not going to be like anybody else's walk with God who's ever lived on this earth. And we had to settle that. We had to settle that. And the only way we can do that is really follow the person of Christ, have this relationship. Are y'all getting, y'all ain't getting that. This is, yeah, I, I'm telling you. Well, thank you, Lord. Anyways. I think that's really important. What I just said to you. I think it's, it's really, one in my life, it's become one of the most driving, important thoughts in my life. It's what, what does my life look like? What does my path look like? As a follower, not what everybody else's path looks like. And I think if we, if we, when we begin to start thinking that way and start living that way, instead of trying to copy everybody and trying to emulate everybody, then we can see the body of Christ really bloom in the earth and really begin to really demonstrate who Christ it really is. Am I saying we don't learn from other people? No, we learn from them. You know, we glean from their lives. But if Christianity is all about watching other people and studying what they've done and studying the Bible, how it worked out, if that's what Christianity is, then we, don't, we have a bad, we have something bad going on because Christianity is about following a person and allowing that person to speak to your heart and for you to follow him the way he, where he's going with you, not where he's going with everybody else.
And that's the only way this story that you have is going to be written. Is God is saying, listen, here, here's the pencil. Start writing the story. You start deciding where you go from here. I've told, with Peter, he says, I've told you the end. But that was 30-something years down the road, it turns out. 30-something years before he, that actually happened to him. So you got 30-something years, Peter, to live your life. Now let's figure out together how that looks like and what will actually take you to that place where you die. You know, in uh, I mentioned Acts 12, James, the apostle. I used to always like, oh, Lord, James got his head cut off. You know, I mean, why did you let him get his head cut off? You know, like, we miss James, the apostle. He was one of the close ones. That was 12 years from this moment. 12 years. We think it was like next week James gets his head cut off, you know, when we read the Bible. When you read the book of Acts, each chapter in the first 10 chapters is, is about a year's time past you know Acts 1 a year Acts 2 two years Acts 3 by the time you're Acts 12 you're around 12 years 12 years have gone by James did a lot in those 12 years it wasn't like his life was wasted and see I think this is what, what I, how, how I feel I think if we're going to go forward, you know, for, if there's people in this room, if you feel like you're still stuck in yesterday, you have to convert the period to a comma and say, the reason I don't understand it is because the rest of the story has to be written. Okay? The rest of the story hasn't been written yet. And guess who God's waiting on to write the rest of the story? He's waiting on me. He's waiting on me. He wants to engage me. And I feel like God's heart for everybody in this room is He's trying to get you to see this. He's trying to get you to see that He is ready to move on. And His question is, are you going on with me? Or are you going to stay back where you were in that last season? Are you settled in your thoughts about me? Are you settled in your beliefs about me? Are you settled in your beliefs about your life and the way things were? If you are, then you have put a period on your life and that's where you're going to stay. But if you're willing to move on at this point, you can put a comma there and you're going to learn some new things and, and life can be different and you can begin to see God in different ways and know God differently. What's wrong with a Christianity that says, I don't think about God today like I did yesterday. I have different beliefs about God now. What is wrong with that? See, that is made to be wrong. It's not wrong. If you think the way God was yesterday, and that's your, your sum total, your thoughts about God, then you're off. You've missed God. Because you only have thought a little bit about God in your life. God has new stuff He wants to reveal to you about Himself and about His Word. Okay, y'all want to stand up? I don't think y'all getting this. I feel like I'm struggling to get something. I want to just say this one thing, okay? I told you this because I really do love you. And if, I, if this was the last message I ever preached in this church, I, would be, I could go home and be satisfied that I said to you something I believe with all my heart God is saying. 
He is saying to us, if you're stuck behind the period this morning, it's not a period. It's not a period. It's a comma. It's just a comma. Make it into a comma. Get the pencil and come on. And move on. If I could just, if that was it for me, then I could go home and watch golf on television and be happy. Amen. Thank you, Lord. That was good. Let's give him a hand. That's good. It's interesting, you know, the Lord speaking. I was uh, walking back from the church uh, yesterday. We had a memorial here, and no air. We had no power during a memorial. Isn't that amazing? Sarah Cantley's mother, we, you know, remembered her yesterday, and you would think, Lord, this is terrible. You know, no power, and all these family are coming, but you know, God is so faithful. It was the sweetest ceremony. It was just, there was a stillness in here. It really wasn't hot, unbearable, you know, but the Lord is really in control, and she was fully remembered with such precious thoughts and glory the lord is just faithful and i was walking back and there was a song that started coming to me that says this it's from the 80s i finally got to look it up this morning what a faithful god have i faithful in every way and i started remembering the 80s of all that the lord was pouring out in the 80s into my life and i was remembering really the journey of all that God's done. I was having a rough week. Just having a rough week. And the Lord was reminding me. You know that this is really true. This is just God's. You know he says this. The sum of thy word. Is truth. Well let me tell you. It's going to be the sum of our life. When we get to the end. And we connect all the dots. We're going to be saying. What a faithful God have I. You know, and I don't know why Sarah, at 30 years old, buried her mother a month ago from cancer. We don't understand all this stuff. It's the mystery. But I do know this. Through all the seasons, because I was thinking about the 80s for me, what God was pouring into my life in the 80s. And I just, I think he's, he just take a moment to remember that God is really a faithful God. And I think when we get to the end, I think James, when he was beheaded, was saying he's faithful. And I know everybody that has suffered in here can say that to us this morning, that he's faithful in every way. In every way, our God is faithful. So I, I really, you know, in these moments that we're suffering, comma, it's just a comma. It's part of the story. And I know how to use commas. You should just ask me. I know how to use them. I was good in English. Terrible math. <laughs> so thank you, Lord. It's good. You know, commas offset some things, too, in life. Did you know that? They'll offset something. And sometimes God is just doing that. He's offsetting something in the commas. To really bring them out. So God is good. He's faithful. What a faithful God have I. What a faithful God. What a faithful God have I. He's faithful in every way. So let's get the ministry team up. We want to pray for some people. I do believe if you still feel like you're stuck somewhere and can't get out from behind that comma, you think you're 
this is at the end. You just can't get beyond it. The Lord really wants to minister to you this morning. He really does. And um, if you need healing this morning for, for your heart, physical heart, and struggles in the heart, we want to pray for you this morning, lay hands on you. And just any, if you just need somebody to agree with you on something, we are here to pray for you. We really here as the body of Christ to release his goodness into your life. So we love you guys. And just say, um, I just want to pray over you for a minute. Okay. Lord, I ask you in Jesus' name this morning, Father, that this, this day that you've set aside, Lord, you put this day in commas to highlight what you're saying to us, Lord, as your sons and your daughters. Lord, you're really wanting to get us unstuck behind some things, Lord. And I'm just praying this morning that we will leave here. Lord, you, um, Lord, we're releasing this morning in the prayer room that you want to release your breath, your wind to us, Lord. And we're just saying right now, release it, Father. In Jesus' name, your fresh breath would blow across your garden this morning, your wind, Lord, that we would go out of here under the shadow of the Almighty in a brand new way. Lord God, you'd release us to really know what that means to dwell under the shadow of the Almighty today, Lord God. Come, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. If you're really feeling the Lord tugging on you, come on up. We're just going to release you now. Thank you, Lord. We just bless you. Go in the power and the strength of his might. Go in his liberty. In the name of Jesus, come get prayer. Amen.